Yo, ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Coffee Before Art. It's been a minute, but I'm back. I had to let this episode cook in my head because I feel like it involves a lot of different aspects that you can come in at, a lot of different perspectives. Um, so today's podcast is going to be about the importance of story. Now, I'm sure all of you realize by now that I make videos pretty much. I'm a dancer, yada, yada. So we're going to do the first part sort of revolving around the importance of filmmaking and why it's important to tell a story. I mean, the art of filmmaking is about telling stories. So like, if you're a filmmaker listening to this, if you're not telling a story, what's the matter with you? How are people going to follow the goddamn video if you ain't telling no story? All right, cool. And the second part of this is going to be kind of, you know, throwing it back a little bit to my little bit of a sales experience that I did over like one of the holidays, I think a year ago or so, two years. Um, long story short, you know, it was holiday time, about three months from uni, and I just thought, you know what, I should challenge myself. So I went and got a sales job and ended up doing door-to-door knocking. I used to just walk up on people's houses and just trying to sell them shit. You know what, what I was selling was pretty good though. I mean, not good in the sense that like it was a product, it was... um. Well, it was raffle tickets to help um, premature kids at the Mata Hospital. So I used to walk up at the doors and try to sell them tickets and they could win a home, you know. So that thing was called the Mata Price Home. You may have heard of it. But yeah, so so we're going to sort of evolve around those, uh, those little two areas um, in regards to storytelling. Now, I've got a few things to go through in regards to filmmaking in a way. Like, you got to think about it. Like, if you're not telling the story, why are people watching this thing? Like, it, it's so important. I mean, this podcast is named The Importance of Story. But, like, people, you know, like, from let's throw it back to, like, back, back, back in the days. Like, I wasn't there, obviously. But, um, you know, we used to sit around the fire and, you know, people be telling stories. And, like, you know, in my culture, anyway, like, neighborhoods, like, be having, like, the best storytellers, you know. And people were wanting them to show up, you know, around the fire and tell a story. And the main reason of that is, like, we love stories of humans, like, our whole lives is a story, you know, like, so it's like, when people were able to tell stories and, you know, entertain, um, and people were able to listen, they were able to follow the story and sort of travel on this journey, and sometimes stories can have, you know, lessons, it can be embedded um, with, with you know, some cultural meanings, you know, I mean, like, knowledge can be passed down through stories and all that. So, story is just one of those tools that has been with us for a long time. And it has survived all that time for a goddamn reason. So, um, in regards to filmmaking, you gotta, you know, you gotta do your research. You know, it's not easy to tell a story because, first of all, like, if you're, if you are communicating through the art of uh, filmmaking, so using a camera and you're capturing images, like, the images that you capture tell a story. So, what that means is you gotta capture images that tell a story. And on top of that, when you cut a sequence together that have shots to shots to shots to shots, they are also supposed to tell a story. And then the whole piece together with the music is supposed to also tell a story. So like there's different components that all communicate um, a part of a, 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 the, the story. So if you don't get them all together saying the same thing, people can be confused. It's like if you have like some gangster ass music, you know, it's like, yeah, you know, that trap stuff. And then you have like a wedding, like... People be like, wait a minute, like, what? You know, weddings, you know, anyway, it's supposed to be kind of chill, lovey-dovey and stuff like that. But if you got Migos in there going, aha, nama, aha, nama, aha, this bitch and that bitch and that, you know, like, it's not really going to work out. So, like, you got to really think about 
um, how different components of the whole filmmaking journey come together to tell a story. So one of those is music. God damn, how important is music in a video? Really important, but fun fact, uh, most people don't watch videos on social media with music. So um, mm, that one is a bit of a bummer. But nonetheless, music is a support, super, super important thing. Um, it, it sets the vibe, sets the tone. You know, like I was saying, if you got some hyperized music with some, you know, like slow-mo and people chilling and like weddings and all that, it's not going to make sense. But, you know, so you need to choose music that like suits the vibe. That's just a basic when it comes to filmmaking. It's just like, you know, pick the music that suits the vibe so people get the point. The music and, the, you know, the images or whatever go together, you know. So, um, yeah, music. In regards to filmmaking, one of the biggest, most important keys to telling a story. Let's go back a little bit and get into more of, um, you know, the shots to shots, right? So in my work, anyway, I try to do mini stories. So like um, if I have a scene, so people are sitting on a table and having a chat, basic thing to do is to cover that whole table. By covering it, I mean, I'll get a shot from the perspective of one of the people, the other people, the other people, and then a wide shot. So the way I kind of work with that to help, you know, kind of bring the, you know, people into the moment of what's going on on that table and really help them travel into the table, <laughs> into the table. You know what I mean. So to help people really like feel like, oh, they know what's going on here. You know, I just capture little different, different angles and different perspectives and then cut, cut them together and um, just to kind of help bring that whole um, happening in that moment in time and cover it in a way that people see the different perspectives and helps bring a little mini story to the whole thing. Um, so that's one of the ways I do it when it comes to the shots. Another way is really like kind of respecting the fundamental rules of filmmaking. It's like, you know, if you just cut straight into a shot of people in a place, like, do people really know what, where the action is happening? Like, so the fundamental is just get a wide shot, establishing shot, fairly basic. There may be something a bit closer, mid shots, close ups, all that can then play a role in that. But like one of the simple things that you can do, you know, if you even if you're not like a filmmaker and you're making videos, like you're vlogging and trying it out and you're just starting, like usually if you are at a new place, like show people where that place is at. Unless you're trying to do like a reverse sort of thing where you show the insides and show the outsides. Um, you're doing like an ad for, you know, a venue or something like that. But usually really, really simple thing to do is just to show people, hey, this is where the action is going to be happening. This is the intro shot. This is what's going to set um, everything that's going to go around. It's going to be going around inside this place. Someone is playing random music in the back. All right. Um, but yeah, let's keep going. Anyway, so yeah. So establishing shots, close shots, mid shots, all of those things, they play a really important role when it comes to filmmaking as like as a part of what are they really supposed to be doing. There. If you get a close up of someone and their face ain't doing much, there's no point in that close-up. So close-ups are mainly used to like really get into the detail of what's really happening in that, you know, excluding everything in the background and really getting the subject right in the front. So like people go, I right, like you really want me to look at this thing. That's why it's a close-up. It's like you ain't got no choice. You gotta look at this thing. So you know, like it's best used when there's something really juicy going on in there and you want people to really focus or something really subtle. You know, what is a mid-shot? You know, it might just be, you know, kind of showing the person kind of like a bit about their body and a little bit about their surroundings and stuff like that. And you don't really want their, their legs, you know, you want people to kind of, you know, when someone is speaking, interview style kind of thing. Um, and like a wide shot can include the person's whole body in there. And that's just kind of if they're traveling to a place, 
you know, walking somewhere and you kind of want to show a bit of the place and like the journey, you know, like as they walk, I can use it kind of like a, like a bit of a wide shot, you know, wide shot can be establishing shot as well, as long as it shows what's going on. So in filmmaking, you know, there's those type of shots, like feel free to do a little bit more research. If you want me to go more in detail with that stuff, I can, but like fundamentals and basics go, you know, like you really got to just cover the simple, simple shots. So establishing shot, close-ups, mid shots. There's even like super close-ups and like touch twists. There's all these different, you know, different shots that are all been made just to, you know, kind of communicate a certain vibe, a certain story. Like you may know, like action movies, the reason why they're shaky sometimes is because they want you to feel like, oh, sh you know, shit's popping off. Like, you know, shit's going down and the camera can't be smooth because, you know, people are getting hit in the head, you know, there's kicks going on and all that stuff. So that's an example of that. Like, it's just really, really chaotic and the movement of the camera is supposed to communicate these people really being in a place where they want to fuck each other up. So it's like um, a shaky cam is the best thing with that. And another thing, a shaky cam is also like um, supposed to be raw. You know, it's kind of like when you film something on your phone, you don't really get it super stabilized and all that. So, uh, you know, that's another example of like how um, your decisions behind the camera inform what the story is going to feel like. So, yeah. Anyway, do a bit of research on that. But as far as the performers go within the frame of, you know, the, the, like what you're shooting, if the people aren't performing in regards to how you want it shot and their movements and what they're communicating as far as the story goes, that can also feel really whack. So when I usually shoot, I make sure the people that are in the frame are doing something that relates to the overall story of, you know, the video. So it's like, if someone, you know, is in a venue having a really bad time and I'm trying to paint the picture that this place is a really fun time, that person is getting cut out of that and I won't even shoot them. But someone's really smiling, they would, you know, they're with their friends having a drink, they're laughing on all that and I'm making a video about people having fun. It's a no-brainer, they're going to make it in. But you'd be surprised how many times, you, you know, when you're in the rush of shooting and doing all that, you forget that, like, um, the overall story is, is set and, you know, you got to try to get as many materials as you can to help communicate what the overall story is about. So then when the client sees it, they understand like, okay, this is this, this thing is about like people having fun in my venue. Or if it's a wedding, it's like, all right, this shit was beautiful. I feel like crying watching it, you know? So you want to communicate that emotion. Um, so yeah, another important part about story is emotion. Let me segue into that. Or should I say lime squitter into that? <laughs> no, all right, cool. So emotion, damn. Like, what's a story, you know, without emotion? Like, if you tell a story well, people should feel emotion. Like, emotions should be evoked. Emotions is kind of like a really sure way to really know if you've done a good job telling a story. Like, you may film a part that's supposed to be sad and down and dark and, you know, you even like the color grade is dark, it's moody or whatever. If people watch it and they don't get it, uh, you didn't tell a story. <laughs> you know, it's as simple as that. Like, if you're like, I want this to feel like it's sad as fuck. And then you show someone and they feel happy about it. Like, then it's like, okay, like there's some going on in there where you did not fully communicate that this is supposed to be a sad scene. So emotions are another, you know, sure thing to really, you know, judge and like kind of gauge whether you're telling the right story as well. You know, if you put a joke in there, you cut a sequence that's meant to be funny and you show 10 of your friends, none of them laugh. That part ain't funny. Or maybe you need to get friends, you know, with better sense of humor. But Usually you can kind of tell, you know, if people don't react the way they, that you hope they react, you might find a way to, you know, kind of juggle it around a little bit, juggle the story a little bit to make sure it's communicated because it may be funny, but you haven't done the right, 
you know, the right, you haven't used the right tools to really communicate, you know, the story through them so they can really read it. And that also, you know, goes back to the shots that you selected. Are you really isolating the subject? Are people looking at the frame and really understanding what's going on in there? So um, all that helps tell um, a, a bit of, well, help, you know, convey emotion. And so um, emotion is a really good way to um, sort of gauge whether what you're trying to do in the frame is there or not. But I'm like, this is a big topic, man. Like, you know, but overall, man, story is important. Like, well, like I said, people can't watch this shit if they can't follow it. Like, they don't know what's going on. Um, but visuals, on the other hand, like, if you just want to, like, cut shit together that's just beautiful and just juicy, that looks good, drone shots, you know, um, girls or something, you know, like, if you just about the vision and you really give a damn about the story, then all good. But more or less, you know, people are going to feel a way if you can tell a story, like... You know, the the if you have a, you know, like the Avengers movies, like they're three hours long, man. But usually they tell a pretty good story and you can really follow it along. Um, so usually it does not feel like it's been three hours when you're watching an Avengers movie. Part of that is they tell a great story. All right. So that's, you know, that's kind of like the filmmaking one. Just a brief little short thing about it. Some things for you guys to think about, even if you're not like into the world of filmmaking, real pro in that. But, you know, some fundamentals and basics for you to go over, like trying to communicate emotion, pick shots that really communicate what that frame is about, you know, simplify it, you know, make sure the subject is standing out nice and clear so people can read what's going on within the frame and learn your fundamentals or basics, you know, like establishing shots, close shots and, you know, mid shots and all that. Like what do they trying to communicate? Shaky cam, for example, like I said, that is supposed to make, make the, you know, the story feel like it's hectic and there's heaps of shit going on. Like, you know, in scary movies, they're always chasing people down dark hallways. And dark hallways is, you know, why do they do that? It's because the walls are moving as the camera is moving. It's a really good way to, you know, show movement of camera when you have something in the frame that shows that. So like hallways, as you're running, you see it kind of zooming past, you know, it's kind of like just traveling with you. So you can tell, you can tell and get the sense of the energy of the camera. And that's a whole nother thing, energy of camera. Like, what does that convey? You know, so yeah, like horror movies, when they're running, they want to feel like they're running past stuff. So they always have stuff in the foreground, maybe in the background or the hallways, you know, you know, like um, serving as leading lines and all that. That all helps to show the chaoticness of it. Mix that with shaky cam and some scary ass thing in the back there. Like that's real fucked up. Lighting. Oh, bro. Lighting, a whole nother thing about, you know, storytelling. Like if you want a scary movie to be scary, shit, have that shit dark, you know. But if you want, you know, moody, for example, you might have like a shade, silhouettes and all that um, to, to convey moody. But if you want detailed shots, people got to see what the fuck's going on in the thing. Then like you got to just light that shit up like, you know, so people get it like this is the story. I want you to see every single thing. But yeah, like that's just a few other things that we could, you know, that really impact story, lighting um, and movement of camera, energy of camera, I like to call it because um, it means a lot. But yeah, anyway, some things to think about. Um, let me know if you want me to elaborate on any of those little sections. Um, let's move into, like, well, we still live in points of story, but I really wanted to share the perspective of, like, you know, to even reinforce how story is really king, is, like, sales. So three months, for three months, I rocked up to people's houses, and I tried to sell them shit. Like, I tried to sell them raffle tickets. And to make this even more interesting, which is true, is uh, I was going to lock them into a contract. So uh, these guys don't pay a one-off. They pay like a monthly recurring payment to, you know, support 
kids that were, you know, uh, premature and stuff like that. It's a really good cause, but it's a cause that's mixed with a bit of gambling. So people buy raffle tickets and, you know, if they're, they're lucky enough and their ticket was the winning one, then they get a house that's like 2.3 million. Sometimes a car get added and all sorts of things. And there's different price pools as well. So let me, let me, let me take you back to those times. So I rocked up to, um, you know, this company. I won't say the name of the company. You can ask me if you really want to know. Um, so I rocked up. The first thing to do, it's real weird. I rock up and I'm like, all right, this is, this is a bit weird. Where's everybody? I'm there and everyone obviously started rocking up. So I'm like, why is there no one working in the office? Like, I thought it was like that type of sales thing. And um, everyone rocked up and then we got taken into this room. It's like, all right, everybody welcome, blah, blah, blah. You know, we're going to be doing sales training. I'm like, oh, okay. So there's training involved in this thing. Um, and before anyone made it as well, they kind of vetted you out. Like they made us wait for a long time and like someone came and we chatted and people just got a vibe of you. And you didn't, if you didn't suit the vibe and like you weren't really about that, they just send you on your way, you know? Um, but luckily I got, you know, I moved forward. So I made it into the sales training team. So I think it was, went for a couple of days or was it a week? Something like that. Maybe a couple of days. Um, and the main thing that, you know, they did a mindset training, like but the mindset training was mainly like, if you rock up at a door, you knock on the door and someone tells you to fuck off, like, don't take it personally. So a lot of that in the first part was to deal with just, you know, the brutality and the harshness of having to walk around in the sun for eight hours and not know if you're going to get paid. All this is full commission. So if you don't make sales, you don't get paid. Um, so you walk around eight hours getting all no's, 99% or 90% of, um, you know, your knocks are no's. So they just, you know, they took you through that and really made you understand that this is hard. You can have, you know... You have a, you know, like a tough mentality. So we did mentality training and we did all that. It was all good. And then we moved into the part of pitching. And this is like the part that I'm like, yo, this is where story really is important. You know, the important of story in pitching is like nothing. So we got a pitch like on an A4 page and you had to learn the pitch and you had to memorize the pitch. So then when you rock up at the door, it looks like you just, you know, you sang it and everything is kind of normal and natural. Uh, but it ain't because it is a pitch that you've learned. Now, every single morning, we would have to sell to people that were also salesmen and then give you feedback on how you were going. And the main thing that everyone was saying about is like your ability to tell a story, the story of why the cause is important, why people should invest $50, $20 a month to support and why the prizes are a good idea, and also why it's a good idea to give me their credit card details for me to put into a random app that's going to be sent through the cloud to the receiver. So i got to convince them on why all that is a good idea. And the reason, the, the way you do that, you tell a story. So the first thing, first part of the pitch is like how you walk into a place. You know, it's like, all right, so you look at the place and you're like, all right, you know, the grass is a bit dead, you know. There's like shit all over the place. The dogs running around, right? Cool. So you paint a little, you know, all these things communicate little stories, you know. So like, cool. You take those things into a bit of a queue. So then you adjust how you enter the, how you enter this, you know, the, the the conversation with the person. So all right, you get to the door. The door is kind of like it's a bit messed up, you know. Look, it's looking a bit grungy. You're like, all right, cool. So this, you know, undoubtedly you may, you know, you, you make a avatar of the person. You think, all right, this person might be a bit angry or. Not angry, but like they might not be super nice because the place looks sketchy. All right. It's just how it is. That's how the story, that's the story that I got from the place. All right. So place was telling the story and I picked it up and I was rolling with that. So I knock, 
you know, someone comes up. They're like, hey, what do you want? I was like, hey, how's your day been? You know, you, you, you're trying to greet them. You got to greet them. You know, you can't just be like, hey, what's up? My name is this. I'm here to do that. You know, you got to greet them. And the reason why you greet them is if they greet you back, they have some sort of, you know, they're kind of nice. Like they, they, they listen to that. They'll be like, hey, how you doing? I'm good, thanks. How are you? Cool. And usually they'll go, what do you want? And this is the part where your story comes like, oh, I'm just here in the neighborhood, you know. Um, I'm sure you've heard of us, Mother Price Home. The, the, you know, that part of storytelling is to create intrigue. It's like, I'm sure you've heard of us. It's like, if he has heard of you, they might be like, yeah, all right, yeah, I have heard of you guys. So then that will at least give you an idea of the, the extent of their knowledge in regards to what you're, what you're trying to sell. So they understand it is a house, they support a cause, yada, yada. So all these things you take into account when you're going forward with your story. So I'm not going to tell them what the Mother Price Home is about. You know, so I'm going to cut that part of the story out. So I'm going to go straight into, oh, cool. You know, what do you, what, you know, uh, what has been your experience or what do you know about us? You know, like um, I may go straight into it and be like, oh, awesome. You know, uh, so I'm sure you hear that, you know, we do great work when it comes to, you know, premature, um, prematurely born children and all that. So I'll go straight into, you know, to kind of the emotion, the feeling of, you know, why I'm at the door. They might go, yeah, you know, I've heard, you know, blah, blah, blah. They may not know the full story, but they'll be here. All right, cool. You know, obviously my enterprise home, children's hospital, whatever. They might work with premature children. You know, it's a simple thing. So they get the point. They get the story. They go, okay, cool. So, you know, this guy might be asking me to, you know, support or whatever. But instead of going into, you know, the closer or like, you know, the prizes or whatever, the story has got to get a bit more emotional. So like, I got I to gotta attach emotion to it. You know, it's like, all right, cool. So I'll go into, oh, do you know anyone that was born prematurely? That question is a trap. <laughs> you know, it's the, probably the most important question of the whole pitch. It is a trap for sure. So I ask that question in order for them to kind of go, oh, to attach emotion to this. Yo, yeah, you know what, actually? My sister had a kid and that kid was premature. It was a traumatic experience. The kid had to stay in the hospital for that long, yada, yada. So then they go, yeah, you know, yeah, my, my, you know, blah, blah, blah. They, they, they tell me that story. Usually they'll be like, yeah. And I'll ask who, sister, okay. You know, and then I ask them how they felt about the whole, you know, thing. They're like, yeah, you know, she went through a hard time, blah, blah. And then using that emotion that I just attached them to it, then I, you know, kind of use that against them. And this is the important story. Like, it's like I'm telling a story. I've got emotion happening, you know. Um, so now I've got the hook. So I go, okay, so I'm sure you understand how, you know, how hard it is for families that are currently going through that right now, you know, and I'm sure you understand the reason why we had to come out in this hot sun, you know, to hopefully get your support. Then, you know, so that's kind of like pulling on the heartstrings, but you see the emotion is important and is a part of the story. Once I was able to get past the intro of like, hey, how you doing? I go straight into the meaty part of it, you know, so it's kind of like a, like a, like a three-part act. Intro yourself, get them attached emotionally, close it you know and get that sale so emotions are in the in, in the mix so they go okay cool you know what um you know maybe i should listen to this guy a little bit more the story has gotten me that far and the emotion has helped me keep my story going so then i might go and they go yeah yeah cool you know like you yeah, understand that you know it's really emotional for these guys to be going through that um so then i'll go yeah i'm sure you can understand why we need your help and your support uh but don't worry you know we give you something back as well so this is like emotion but also reward right so they're thinking ah shit i feel crap yeah you know you know prematurely kids is not good my sister went through it and currently this family's going through that said so i understand that so the reason to the, the way to balance that with the story is like you offer something to them it's like hey 
you could actually win a home here, like a $2.3 million home with, you know, with a car or whatever. You could win something with this by doing something great. So they've got an emotion, which might be sad, but now they, you know, they have something to look forward to. So I've got like these two dualities with the emotions. So they feel like, oh, yeah, i got to help out. But also it's like, hey, I could win something by doing something great. Now I've got them hooked. The next part of the story is straightforward. It's basically just detailing how the prizes work, you know, how much they spend and all that. But again, like story plays an important part in how I tell it there. So I'll be like, hey, it's really simple. You know, so I intro the story of the, you know, the, the prizes and explaining that. I, you know, I explain, hey, it's really simple. It's not going to take you that long to do. So they feel at ease, you know, kind of like putting them at ease about it. It's like when you watch a movie and if it's super complex and the, the, the director or however, how it's edited is not helping you understand the thing, you're going to turn that shit off. But then again, you don't want a super easy, maybe you do, you don't want a super easy um, movie that just tells you everything that's going to be, you know, kind of rolling and they're just, you know, exposing it and just telling you, this is what's happening, this is what's happening. You kind of want to make up the story yourself as well. So this part of the sale pitch is when you're kind of helping them make an image of what it would be like to kind of like win the house or the car. You know, so then you go into like, okay, yo, it's going to be really simple. Basically, what we're offering you is a $2.3 million home with a nice car and, you know, yada, yada. So they go, oh, shit, like, you know, I might be winning this. And then guess what? You got to attach some more emotions to that. So usually the part of it I go is like, imagine coming home to this, man. Like, imagine winning this. Imagine the barbecues you could have in the back there. Imagine swimming in that pool. Imagine running around in that car. So I get them to imagine all these and the imagination, they go through it. If you've really got them, then emotions gets created. So I get them to make the images in their head. Again, this is, whole, this is just an, a story. Like we go through this in sales. So like as it's happening, we're adjusting to it. But the main thing is tell a story and get them hooked by emotions. So he goes, damn, imagine coming into a home like that. Imagine driving around in that car, go and get coffee in that car. You know, if they, if they have that in their head, then boom, you're like, cool. All you got to do, and this is the, like the keys, all you got to do is simplify. All you got to do is pick, you know, how much you would like to help out. You don't tell them, all you got to do is choose how much you got to pay. It's like, nah, you, all you got to do is choose how much you want to help out. That's pretty much, you know, kind of removing the pressure of them a little bit. And in the story, um, it's really important because you don't want it to be full on. You want to kind of give the, the people a time to relax as well and see what's really going on for themselves. You know, you want to kind of back off a little bit, have some up and downs and some curves into the story so people don't feel like they're always up. So this way you take the pressure. So you dip down a little bit in that curve, but you're going to take them back up. So then you go, all right, cool. This is all you got to do. And then they're like, all right, great. You know, they're feeling all right about it. Just pick which one you want to help out. And you say help out so they don't, they don't believe that it's all about the money, blah, blah, blah. It's like you want to help out. And by helping out, you got to pay. <laughs> um, but yeah, anyway, so they pick one. But before they pick one, what we do is we like, this is our most popular part. You know, it's our most popular package that people usually choose when they're helping us out. We do that just to, you know, anchor them a little bit at a price, you know. If people want to go a bit higher than that, they can. But if they can, if they want to go a bit lower, they can. But the real reason why we say that and why we got trained to do that in sales is that they know that their neighbors also choose that one. So it'd be like, this is the line. You know, we've been around the neighborhood and this one, this package right here in the middle, $50 a month seems to be the popular one. You know, people seem to be able to help out with that much. But once again, you know, you pick whichever one that suits. When you say that people usually seems to be choosing this one, 
what that tells them is that like if they want to be like everyone else and it's a safe choice blah, blah blah most people can afford it so can they you know this is the part where the story goes into easing them into making this commitment and the way we, you know the language does that but also you know partly how it's structured so we only have five price, stru price structures the middle one is 50 dollars and it goes down that way people usually look in the middle <laughs> of the paper straight away first so like again that's storytelling that's like if you if you treat the a4 paper like a like a like a frame people are gonna look in the middle no one's trying to look in the edge that's why the fine print is way out of the center because no one gives a fuck about the fine print <laughs> um but yeah so again and it works the same way when you talk in filmmaking it's like if you really want people to notice this shit put it right in the center you don't want anyone to hunt in the frame at all so same thing with sales we want them to go for that middle one so we put that shit in the middle. So they get it straight away. They're like, all right, 50. That's the first thing I looked at. That's the numbers bounce around in my head. This guy's kind of eased me down a little bit. He's like, this guy's telling me that like everyone chooses this one. I'm like, cool. So then they're most likely going to choose that one. And if they're feeling a bit tight, they might choose something else. But at least you've kind of given them the option and you've kind of nudged them that people are choosing this one. So they pick it. And this is where the most interesting part comes in in the story. It's like, how do you bring all this shit home? And the way we bring it home in you know, sales is the, the system is called the closing. You gotta close them. You gotta get their credit card details and you gotta punch that shit into an iPad. Once you do all of that, you gotta keep them engaged and chilled so they don't back out and you get a void. Um, as far as story, this is where you gotta get really crafty. You can't, you've gotta finish it in a way that's smooth. You ask them details that are really private. What's your name? What's your license number? Blah, blah, blah. What's your credit card details? Whilst you're asking all these important things, your body language is also communicating that they should trust you. So what I didn't mention is that when we get to the door, there's three different things that we're trying to do. We, try, we start in front of them, which is like there's a stranger. And the goal is to get to them, to, to be side by side with them. So we're like a friend with that kind of wonder. That's body language it's, and how it works in that as well. Once again, super complex, but I can go with that in more details if you want to. So we go from... Hi, standing in front of them. And where we want to end up is side by side. It's like, we're a friend, man. You know, you know, sitting side by side. But anyway, so as you are making them comfortable, they're giving you the credit card details and all of that. You're using mannerisms and body language to really make them feel comfortable here. This is where eye contact comes in. So one thing I was really bad at when I was asking people for their credit card is like, hey, See, all you got to do is, you know, do you have a credit card or whatever? Most people, we say most people play with a debit card and they go, okay, cool. Do you have that handy? You know, and when I used to ask that, I used to look down and I didn't like really eye contact with them. And that used to get me all the voids. Like I get all the way there and it's like, shit, no sale. I don't get paid. I'm like, damn. So, you know, during one of those trainings in the morning where we practice pitching, we went through like, okay, cool. When you ask for the credit card details, you need to freaking look them in the eye so people trust you. If you look at motherfuckers in the eye, it's real hard to do. You got to like just stare them. Hey, most people pay with a debit card. Well, how would you like to pay? Straight in the, you know, straight in their eye. And then they'll have this second where if you budge, they don't trust you. They'll be like, uh, you know what? I don't feel comfortable using credit card. But if you hold that eye contact and really stare at them, not in a creepy way, but like if you, you're going to hold it, you're going to mean what you say. Like they're going to help out some kids right here and they could win something. So you say that, and, you know, you attach yourself to that emotion and you say it. If they can read through that through your eyes, they'll give you the credit card details. They'll go right inside and grab their wallet. And from then on, it's kind of like a 
just a you know a cruisy so yeah you know oh, so what have you been doing today you know as you're typing in their name and stuff like that so what was your birthday oh you're a virgo yeah sick all right cool and then you know type in all the details and then when you get to the final bit and this you know i've been telling the whole story i've been taking this guy through the story of how he's helping out how people are struggling you know how he can help how he might win something how he might be driving a ferrari or whatever to get coffee and how he could be living in a house where he's just chilling and all that all that through helping you know so you got to close the story with helping. That's how we started. It's like, hey, man, we, I'm here for you to help some kids. So, you know, to, at the end of it, the story, the whole point has been about getting him to help. So we do this thing, you know, where it's called the closer. Obviously, I just said, I've already said that. But in the closer, it's like where you bring the story home. It's like, hey, so-and-so, hey, James, thank you so much for helping out. You know, we really understand that, you know, like, you know, whatever commitment you know, it's coming out of your account. Or you don't say coming out of your account. You, you understand that, you know, you're making a commitment with us and we really appreciate it. A lot of kids, this is where you drop stats, you know. Um, at this stage, you know, the, the package that you choose is going to help so-and-so amount of kids over a certain amount of time. You know, these families are really thankful. This is where we show some photos. You know, here's one of the kids that you may be helping um, and so forth. And this, like, this happens before you do the signature. All right, so we're... If you go straight into it and you don't bring back the emotion and the story and why the whole point of you doing of him doing this, people be like, oh, you know what, hey man, I changed my mind. I might just go on the website and you're like, fuck, I get a void. You don't get paid. So before you ask for the signature, we bring the story home. We bring the emotion, you know. So this 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 I'm telling this story because like it, it's massive in how story you know works. It, it really helps people understand what the fuck is going on and why they're doing something, you know, or why. You know, what you're trying to communicate. It's a communication thing after all. It's a communication tool. So anyway, before we get into the, you know, to the signature part. Hey man, thank you so much for helping out these kids. You're going to be helping out 50 or so. Here's a picture of this kid called Noah. You know, he was able to be helped out by people like you. And hey, look man, at the end of the day, you may win a car and so forth. All right. But yeah, anyway, to, you know, to make sure, you know, you're able to help the kids. All I need is a signature here. Boom. In order for you to help the kids, all I need is a signature. No, bro, it's not in order for you to win this car, all I need is a signature. No, it's in order for you to help the kids. Again, it's all about helping the kids. So that emotion comes like, he's like, yeah, man, I've been sitting here with this dude, weird hair, for like 15 minutes, you know? And I get I, I get the point of why I spend these 15 minutes with this dude. I get why I gave him my credit card details. It's so I can help kids because my sister or whatever had premature kids. So he's going through all this. He has reasons for it. You know, story's supposed to give reasons. It's like... Yeah, I'm going to do this. So then, boom, signs it, and you go, blow, he send that back to the cloud. Damn, you're in. The sale is done. And you may think that's it, but nah, man, you got to keep people, you know, with something to look forward to. And in all movies, Marvel does this really well. They give you like a, like a, what do you call it, like a, like an Easter egg. So our little Easter egg with the story is that like we give you little pamphlets and stuff like that. You know, we send you a message. Thank you so much for helping out. And then we give you all the calendars of when, you know, the, 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 the draws are going to be happening when, you, when your tickets and raffles are going to be sent. And most importantly, we give you like a little pamphlet about the whole story about the kids. You know, we, they have like, um, what do you call it, like a case study of the kids. So you give them that and it gives them, you know, something to hold on to, to retain emotion as well. You know, so for, your movie, uh, for, for filmmaking and all that, uh, you know, an Easter egg is kind of like a bit of a present, you know. So we give them a little present. This is what you're doing. You may win some shit and this is when your tickets are coming. Look out for them. And then um, the, the, the headquarters where we sent the details, so sends them the image, uh, not image, a message straight away. So they get a, a message saying, thank you for helping out so-and-so. So we get personal with it real quick. Anyway, 
Thank you so much. You give him all that. The story is over. Okay, it's done. You told the story about him helping out a kid, got him emotionally attached, and it's boom. Now, the reason why I had to, you know, share that is because, you know, that's how important a story is. You can literally rock up to someone's door and ask for their credit card details if you know how to tell a story really well. To wrap up this podcast, I hope you found it enjoying and interesting anyway. Um, but yeah, story is super important, mainly because it helps communicate um, messages, information, and so forth. And one of the components of story is emotion. Um, I hope you enjoyed that little case study about how sales, you know, works in a way. And like what I learned about telling a story with sales and just how important it is to really just zero in on what people should be thinking, how they should be feeling. What is the point of all this? Uh, But yeah, thank you very much. Um, Until next time, I'll catch you soon. Share this with a friend, you know, hit me up on uh, Instagram if you found this interesting. Yeah. Peace out. Enjoy your coffee. Cheers.